Hello, I'm Nigel from Book to Pod. Coming up in this bloody good episode of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, Jeff and Will talk to author Poppy Dennison about her new Bartlett Boys series. They review books, and, oh yeah, they talk about me too. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 125 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And as always, I'm Will from willknauss.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by listeners just like you. We will have more information on how you can help support this show in just a few moments. Absolutely. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. We hope you all had a splendiferous reading week. Got mm-hmm. lots of great books read. Um, we have had an okay week. Our Uh, As our British friends might say, our weekend has gone tits up. It has not gone well. But before we get to that, um, you got some editing done on yet another book. Do you want to talk about that first? Well, speaking of British. Oh, that is true. We should thank our our guest uh, intro reader, who was Nigel, the British narrator from Book to Pod. We will talk about Nigel and his service in another moment. Yes. So yes, there was editing this week. I had edits for Winger 3 come back from my senior editor over at Harmony Inc. And so I was working through those all week long. Um, the, the book's in a good spot. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, as I got to reread it for the first time in about a month, it's like, oh yeah, this isn't too bad. Mm. <laughs> so I'm back to the, I like this book phase. <laughs> well, that's a good phase to be in. <laughs> Uh, and I traveled to the Bay Area this weekend, or well, not this weekend, but this week for some couple days of work, which was, it was what it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're progressing ever closer to the move as this podcast drops. Uh, we will be two weeks out from the the truck showing up at our door to haul our stuff. So, getting close. Um, lots of planning going on, lots of stuff going on, and it's, it's exciting. I'm still in the excited mode for the move. I haven't gotten to the... Holy crap, what's going on, Move? Exactly. Um, do, you, do you want to talk about our tits-up weekend? Um, no, not particularly. Um, our car hates us, and technology hates us. That's all that we need to say. Indeed. I think it mostly it hates me. It, it, it really hates you. <laughs> right down to the fact that this morning, the TiVo rebooted itself on me. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> but yeah, working through that. Uh, we do want to give a very happy birthday uh, to our friends B and Leah down at the Ripped Bodice. They will celebrate their second anniversary this coming Sunday, March 4th. Happy birthday, happy anniversary, and thanks for running such an awesome bookstore. Book to Pod. Yes, last week we um, talked about the new service for authors, booktopod.com, and we included a sample reading of one of Jeff's stories and ask for your opinions. And we did get a couple of opinions. Uh, We heard from Nancy, who is a longtime listener. Hi, Nancy. Um, She said the book to pod reminded her of the way the original Kindles would read books, Mm -hmm. which it very much is, although Amazon Polly, I think, is leaps and bounds ahead of where 
the original Kindles were some 10 years ago when they were reading books. Uh, while she says she would, quote, pick up the audiobook every time, she did note that uh, she could easily see BookDepot as a marketing tool and a way to attract a different audience. Uh, we also heard from Ron, who also loves his audiobooks, but did view it as, quote, a wonderful marketing tool for authors, uh, and he really likes the podcast aspect of it. He wasn't sure he could listen to a whole book in like a road trip coming from Polly, necessarily, but he could see splitting it up chapters or scenes in a, in a podcast and take in little bits of it over time. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very definitely. I, I think those are all um, quite appropriate uh, comments. And I don't think Book to Pod sees itself as replacing audiobooks in any way. Uh, I think they do see it as this way to outreach, uh, to, to find a new and different audience for books, um, and it's, it's cost, which if, for the, if you go for the full service, which includes like the podcast hosting and everything else, you're only paying $1,000, um, no matter the length of the book. And it's nearly impossible to get... It is impossible. Audiobook. Well, unless it's a really short book. <laughs> Teeny tiny short book. Uh, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> flipping for him got done for about $900, but it's also yeah. only... It, it's a, it comes in right around three hours, so... Anything over about the length of that book, which is about 30,000 words, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, you are going to get well above $1,000 to produce your audiobooks. Um, and this takes it, slices it up into some episodes, and gives you kind of a marketing tool for people to sample your work in a way, in a different way than, say, giving away the free book uh, via email used to be. Your thoughts, sir? Um... Uh, I agree with you 100%. This is not meant to replace an audiobook. Um, it is a marketing tool. Since you're not going to be it, it. Let me let me start again. Um, Book to Pod is meant uh, as a, a way to a different way to market your book and reach uh, other readers or listeners uh, through the podcasting format. It is not meant in any way, shape, or form. Uh, to replace an audio book, at least not yet. Uh, I think they will constantly be iterating and optimizing the ser service, and I'm sure it'll you know grow over the coming months and years. Mm -hmm. um, um, as will Amazon Polly. Amazon uh, Polly will get better at what it does to produce this kind of AI-read book. Mm -hmm. The only... Uh, the the main criticism I would have is is that I do not mind the computerized style of the voice. Um, I think that's perfectly acceptable. I think um, where you might run into problems is uh, with the material that you are adapting using that voice technology. For instance, in your sample uh, from your book, Flipping for him. No, no wait. Dancing for him. I, I, I'm sorry. In, in the sample uh, that you uh, fed into the system uh, for dancing for him, you specifically chose a uh, piece, essentially a paragraph, um, that had some narrative voice and had some dialogue and a couple of different things going on uh, to kind of test out how um, the voice sounded. Um, I, as a listener, was a tiny bit confused um, because your two main characters were speaking to one another, and in that short paragraph, there weren't necessarily dialogue tags. Mm -hmm. 
uh, which is a problem when you have a computerized voice who is just reading and not performing your book. Now a narrator is of course going to do a good job and differentiate between the different characters. Mm -hmm. um, the computer voice can't do that. So uh, I not was, yet. <laughs> not, well, that's very true, at least not yet. So I was a little bit confused by your sample because I wasn't always 100% sure which character was talking. So uh, I think that is uh, a problem emblematic of the technology. It's also um, not necessarily a problem, but you didn't have in that specific example, like, you know, John said, James said, yeah. Um, that would be a you know a clear signifier for whoever is listening. But I think you would also, as a listener, get tired if everything was tagged. Well, that's very very true. That's that's where the artistry of writing comes in. That's where the art and craft of writing. Uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And the art and craft of being an audiobook narrator. One hundred percent agree. Uh, but again, it is an interesting way to get the book out there because if somebody started listening to the book through book to pod they may want to go pick it up and read it mm -hmm. or if there's an audiobook version of it go pick that up or simply get into the new author themselves so it's very exciting to see this out there and look forward to seeing not only how book to pod grows but how amazon poly evolves as well mm -hmm. with new voices and new uh new ways that it reads because we know what you didn't hear in the in the opening uh that we had uh, because you have to give a title and who it's by. Uh, it doesn't always say the same words the same way twice. Uh, because with Will's name, when it was by Jeff and Will, it said Will in a slightly different way than it did when it was inside the um, inside the intro itself that you did here. So there are some variations on the voice already. So mm -hmm. anyway, yeah. Book to Pod. If you're an author, check them out at booktopod.com. And if you're a reader, keep an eye out for future Book to Pod podcasts. Mm -hmm. Okay, now is the time of the show where we like to thank our newest patrons. Liz, thank you for joining the Patreon family. Now, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For as little as 25 cents an episode, you, your uh, pledge helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing this show. And for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our up. Uh, coming guests. Also, all patrons have the option to have a personalized thank you sent directly to them. Also, every month that we meet our production goals, we will produce a special bonus episode, especially for our patrons. Now, if you are interested in finding out more, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash uh, Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I forgot the name of our show for a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Big Gay Fiction Podcast. In the hockey player's heart, the feel-good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knauss, hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the school teacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before, and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, 
he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the hockey player's heart at dreamspinnerpress.com, amazon.com, and other online book retailers. I think we should review some books. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Indubitably. That's a splendid idea. <laughs> now, if you'd said that British, you could have been Nigel there for a second. <laughs> so I'll kick us off uh, with uh, The Sumage Solution, which is the first book in the San Andreas Shifter series by G.L. Carriger, also known, of course, as Gail Carriger. And I did the audiobook of this, which was narrated by Kurt Graves. Uh, in this book... We get to meet Max, who is a sumage, uh, and his job in life is to clean up other mages' messes. Uh, and that's a nice alliteration there. Those messy mages. Indeed. Because um, you never know when somebody's <laughs> going to be thrown off some magic somewhere that they shouldn't be throwing. Um, he's also got some significant issues around his father, who was a uh, not nice parent in any shape, form, or fashion. He didn't care for the fact that Max was gay, didn't care for the fact that he turned into a sumage. Didn't like any of it, and he was a bit of a dick about it. Uh, on the other side of that is Brian, who is a werewolf, who has recently moved to the Bay Area with his pack. Uh, Brian serves as beta to this pack, and his brother is the alpha. And you have a whole bunch of neat, kind of fun uh, pack mates here who I look forward to reading about in future uh, installments of this series as well. Um, so these two meet when Brian shows up uh, in... Uh, in Max's office so that he can register the pack and uh, arrange for them to live in Sausalito without any troubles because they also happen to have a, uh, a merman in their, in their crew uh, who is uh, mated to his brother. <laughs> you, just, you just said the sentence, he has a merman in his crew. <laughs> I'm sorry, when did, when did you ever think that you would ever say that sentence in your life? Well, that's a good I mean, point. that's a pretty badass sentence, but I just, I was struck by the humor. It was kind of funny, right? Please continue with your review. <laughs> no, you totally <laughs> thrown me off. I, um, I want, if we're going to have a pack, I want a merman and a werewolf and uh, I don't know. A unicorn. A un yeah, a unicorn shifter. That would be pretty cool. I, those those are a good place to start. That covers a lot of bases. It does. Okay. Can you... Anyway, uh, so these two get together when when Brian shows up to to register the pack, and Brian's instantly into how Max smells because he doesn't have the smell of a mage, and because werewolves and mages aren't supposed to necessarily mix together. And uh, these two cannot get enough of each other. As much as they're, they try to fight against it for a while, they keep getting thrown together. And it, I have to say, it's so adorable. This, this book, in, in ways I never expected, kind of melted my heart a lot because of how adorable and awesome these two characters are together. Um, and even when they're being prickly and not quite coming together, you, just, you get that, there's that pull that just keeps wanting to bring them, you know, to be in one spot together. Uh, and, of course, Brian, as a beta, kind of wants to help everybody. So he puts a lot of himself, uh, he puts Max ahead of a lot of things uh, for a while, trying to bring them together. Uh, there is also uh, things going on with Max's father, who is dead, and who he <laughs> scattered across the sea is in ashes, so he could never come back as a ghost. Uh, but there's a house that is left that Max has has been totally buttoned up. Max can't get into it. Nobody can get into it. 
until one day when he and Brian find out how to get into it. There are secrets in this house. There's an evil judge who wants those secrets and is coming after Max to get them. And it all turns, you know, it, it all blends up in one awesome mashup towards the end where the pack is helping Max against the mage. And it's, I loved it. I had, I don't know what's gotten into me that I'm so into paranormal lately. But I think it started with T.J. Clune and Wolf Song, and has just gone from there. Mm-hmm. Um, where I find books like this that are like, that's kind of a cool plot set in the in the modern times. So it's not in some. I mean, this is clearly alternate universe, but it's it's now as in San Francisco. So it it appealed to me a lot. Um, Kurt Graves did a great job with the narration. Uh, no big surprise there. And uh, my favorite scene in the entire book is when. Brian has to take Max home to meet not only his brother, but the rest of the pack. That there, That's just, it's a little bit funny and a little bit nervous and a little bit kind of awesome. So, The Sumage Solution, San Andreas Shifters, number one by C.L. Carriger. Check it out. Fun read. Very enjoyable. Cool. Yeah. Also, this past week, we both read uh, The Fireman's Pole Woo-hoo. by Sue Brown. Possibly one of the most provocative Dreams of Undesire titles ever. Um, yeah, this is a super enjoyable book. Uh, set in a quaint little village in England. It's about Dale. Um, he makes the move from the big city to, as I mentioned, the a small English village. He has joined the local fire department. Uh, and on his very first day, uh, he helps... Uh, save a local matron, and that ingratiates him to the other members of the village. But also, that same day, he actually knocks over the village maypole, which uh, pisses off the local lord, a guy named Ben. (laughs) There there was some history behind this maypole, and he's very, very mad that it got knocked over. So, um, there's a bit of... uh, 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 love-hate going on immediately between these two characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both um, they get off on the wrong foot, but uh, are immediately attracted to one another. Um, ben, uh, shortly after meeting Dale, breaks things off with his uh, longtime girlfriend. Uh, it was assumed that he was eventually going to get engaged to this woman and, and marry her and sire an heir and all of that sort of like lords and ladies stuff that I, you know, I, I obviously do not watch enough Downton Abbey to understand anything about the whole English hierarchical, none of it makes any sense to me. So, uh, so authors, um, yeah, any English stuff, I just take your word for it. Anyway, so, yes. So, um, what was really nice about this book is, um, not only the two main characters who had great chemistry together. Um, as there is a very large secondary cast, and I thought one of the best ones was uh, Ben's uh, essentially ex-fiancé. I think uh, when we first meet her, we kind of uh, naturally assume, since she's going to be the ex, that she's going to end up being the evil ex and cause problems for our two heroes. But that is not the case. Uh, She is uh, very kind, incredibly smart, uh, and she actually ends up uh, helping Ben when her uh, dick of a father uh, tries to push through a business deal with Ben and the estate. Uh, a whole bunch of stuff goes down with that. Anyway, We have fathers who are dicks in all of the books this week. <laughs> it's a theme. 
Um, so, uh, so in in uh, in addition to all of the problems Ben is having uh, on the business side of things, and uh, whether he really wants to live as an openly gay man, there is also an arsonist who has been starting fires all over this small English village, and they have to find out who's doing it and why. Um, I really enjoyed the fireman's poll uh, an awful lot. This is one of the first books. Uh, it's the first book I've read by Sue Brown, and I enjoyed it immensely. I did it as well. I did the audiobook, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I really, as you did, loved Ben and uh, Dale's chemistry. Yep. Um, every time they were together, I was just like, stop stop putting up barricades and just <laughs> be together. Just do it. It's fine. Um, I liked the the side kind of angsty stuff with the arsonist and the, the business dealings. Uh, because her father is a dick. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I liked how the village was such a character here. There, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, a large supporting cast of the villagers and Ben's staff and the firehouse folks that Dale's with. Uh, and they all play a wonderful part in this in this story. Uh, it reminded me a lot of some of the Hallmark things that we've seen, where you have all the townspeople kind of in everybody's business in some of those small town movies. Um, Finn Sterling did a great job with the uh, narration, especially having such a large cast to keep track of and Mm -hmm. keep their voices differentiated. He did awesome. We also learned this past week that it's Finn who's actually doing the audiobook for our Hockey Player's Heart, which comes out later this spring. So I'm I'm super psyched to hear what he does with our book, now having heard what he did uh, with this one. So yeah, The Fireman's Poll by Sue Brown. Go, Go get it! Um... This past weekend, uh, uh, before this crappy weekend, we went. <laughs> actually, no, we went and saw it on, on President's Day. On President's yeah. Day, we went into the we went to the cinema, and like the rest of the free world, we went and saw Black Panther. Oh my god, it was awesome! God, it's so damn good. <laughs> I don't. That's our. That's all we need to say. It, it, uh, you don't need us to tell you it's awesome. I'm sure you've all seen it. It's pretty kick ass. Yeah, I I loved it. I think it's. Certainly among my favorite Marvel movies, favorite any superhero movie. Mm-hmm. It just it had so many just perfect notes. So thumbs up, Marvel. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther. If you haven't if you're one of the few potentially at this point who has not seen it, go check it out. It's and it's worth seeing it in theaters too, because it's it's nice up on the big screen. Yeah, I love I loved it so much that while you were uh, away on business, I uh, spent an evening uh, Netflix and chilling all by myself, uh, and I watched Captain America Civil War. Uh, that is, of course, the uh, it, is ser- it essentially serves as the origin story for T'Challa and the new Peter Parker. Um, mm-hmm. Incidentally, I think uh, uh, Civil War is far and away my favorite uh, non-Avengers Avengers movie. Uh, right. <laughs> I think that it, that movie is superior in all aspects. Um, it has a ginormous cast. Uh, but it uh, manages to give them each each of the each of the superhero characters a distinct moment, uh, an ex- you know a specific emotional beat to play, uh, and I think it really works in the uh, story of Black Panther and the new Spider Man exceptionally well, and I I enjoy that movie an awful lot. I'm looking forward to Infinity War now to see where it all builds yeah. up to next, which Should I think be? is this summer sometime. Hopefully, it'll be good. Yeah. 
Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at facebook.com slash biggayfictionpodcast and see what we get up to next. So this past week, we got to connect with a, a, a longtime friend of the podcast, Poppy Dennison. Uh, she is out there. She has been a busy girl since she left her marketing position at Dream Spinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got the new Bartlett Boys series out, which started in January. She's in the Heart to Heart anthology. She's got a new series, well, kind of a relaunch of a series called Coconut Grove that she writes with MJ O'Shea. She's got a ton of stuff to tell us about. So shall we get to that interview? Yes, let's. So it is always a pleasure to welcome Poppy Dennison to the podcast. Hello, Poppy. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good, good. You have had a very busy start of the year. And I think yes, we I should have. we should start off hearing all about your Bartlett Boys series that kicked off in January. Who are oh, these absolutely. guys? These guys are actually based on um, my family, sort of. <laughs> so if they're not based off of like individual family members. But one of the things that I found that people are um, really curious about um, is when we do Thanksgiving in my family, it's for 50 people. So we cook for 50 people every Thanksgiving. Um, I'm one of 12 cousins. And normally, about nine out of the 12 of us are usually at Thanksgiving with all of their kids. So there's eight, 18 great grands. Like... So my cousins, between all of them, there's 18 children of theirs. It's huge. It's massive. But um, people are always like, wait, now what? You have how many family members and you speak to them? So I decided I wanted to write a book that sort of captured that huge family environment um, that just everybody's in your business. Everybody knows what you're up to. My mama is calling my aunties and she's telling them what's going on. And then they're going to call me and they're going to let me know what they think about what's going on. And. Yeah, it's just fun, and but it's all full of love. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I've never not had that, so I didn't know that it was unusual. Um, so I just wanted to try to capture that in the book. So this is four of the twelve cousins. These books, and they are, they're all in for a world of meddling with their their loving family as they meet their their loves and and sort of find their happily ever after. So it, it's it's fun and it's a romp and. Lots of family, lots of cousins, lots of aunts and uncles, and and it's it's fun. <laughs> How much of it then is autobiographical? Not not as much as you think. What I did was um, I sat down with a calendar and all of my cousins' birthdays, and so each of the Bartlett cousins has the same birthday as one of my cousins. But other than that, that's really the only part of it that's even at all remotely similar. Um, all of my cousins are, you might be surprised to know that we all have pretty strong personalities. <laughs> so it would really, <laughs> I'm not sure how that would work. Um, but yeah, it was it was too much fun to try to capture. I did capture um, my, co- my brother and one of my cousins were born two weeks apart. And so they've always had like a really special relationship because they're basically, I mean, they're almost twins, right? I mean, they grew up together at two weeks apart. So all of that. Um, So little details like that snuck in that I thought was just sort of fun little, like what happens when you do have a cousin that lives, 
you know, five minutes away from you that you were born two weeks apart and your parents get together every weekend to play cards and dominoes and, you know, because that's what we did growing up. We, my, my mom's and her brothers and sisters are her best friends. So, you know, that little details like that are autobiographical, but the rest of it, I mean, nobody would believe me if I tried to capture my cousin's true personalities. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Poppy, they look mild. <laughs> the the first book in the series is Family Ties, and that came out yes. in January. Yes. And now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this your very first um, independently published book? That's kind of a trick question. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Sort of. Um, if I don't know if you guys remember, I have um, two paranormal titles that were with Wild City Press. Oh yes, that's right. And so. I have I re-released those titles. I self-published them as a re-release, but this is my first title that I, I, I that's gone straight out as a self-published title. Does that make does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yes. Yes. yes no. <laughs> Tell us about uh, what goes on in Family Ties specifically. Who are these? Who are the first Bartlett boys that we get to meet? So the first Bartlett boy um, is Blake Bartlett. And Blake is actually coming back home, and the town is called Havendale, and since it's set here in Florida where I grew up, um, I actually grew up in two different places. Some of you guys might remember that I grew up in a small town in Tennessee, in East Tennessee, which is where um, Holly Creek is based, my Holly Creek books. Before that, my my mom's entire family lived in a small town in Central Florida. So I based Havendale on that town where where we all grew up. And so Blake is coming back home. He um, was out in Seattle and he has, he and his husband adopted uh, or had a surrogate and had a a daughter. And then he sort of neglected to tell the family that he and his husband split up. He kind of just sort of pushed everybody away and kept it a secret. And unfortunately his his almost ex-husband was killed in a car accident. And so he kind of had been, had no choice but to be honest and tell the family. And so he's kind of coming home under that cloud of pushing the family away. And, and he was embarrassed because he had pretended that his life was perfect and it wasn't. But he's coming back home and sort of reestablishing his roots as one of the Bartlett's. And it's a lot of fun because the cousins give him a hard time, you know, like we deserve the truth kind of thing, you know, but then... Once they've sort of forgiven him, which I think is the way it works in a lot of families, you know, it's like, I'm mad at you, but I've forgiven you. And now it's back to just giving you hell about everything that I want to, you know, so it's, it's sort of along those lines. And then he meets Link, who is the construction worker who who works for his family's um, construction business. So needless to say, sparks fly. (laughs) Now with the Bartlett books, uh, and we talked a little bit about this uh, back at GRL. Yeah. You've named them all after 80s sitcoms. I did, yes. So there's Family Ties now. There's Growing Pains coming out in March that we'll talk a little bit about in a few yeah. minutes. What are the other titles you have picked that you can share? I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share uh, Perfect Strangers and Facts of Life. So it's, it's Family Ties, Growing Pains, Perfect Strangers, and Facts of Life. And I also, in the Heart to Heart Charity Anthology, I wrote a, um, a short story in the Bartlett world um, oh. that is, in the, in the book, I had to call it 
based on the the heart to heart titling um, methodology. It's called the um, and the event planner and the electrician. Mm-hmm. When I get the rights back to that and release it, that will be who's the boss. So. Uh-huh. You heard it here first. Nobody else actually knows that, but that that one will be, it is, it's not one of the cousins. It's somebody who, um, it's two people who work with the cousins. So it's, it's sort of a a side world there. How fun was it to come up with these titles and how many did you actually have written down to come up with these five? So many. I mean, I really went through and I just looked it up and, and like, um, you guys know Charlie Cochet. She's a very good friend of mine. We like sat down and looked and my roommate, everyone we could come up with. And we just laughed because it's like, you know, and some of them, you know, like Alf, like how can you name something Alf, right? You can't, but you know, so it's like, there's some of those things that we were just sort of like having a good time and kind of laughing and saying, you know, how could you do that? Cheers. You know, like there's some things that you, you kind of can't parse into actually a story, but I felt like with all of those titles, you know, growing pains, it really is an expression. So it's facts of life, uh, perfect strangers, like all of those things were, were more universal than just the title of the sitcom. So, but what I, I, I actually chose growing pains first. And I was like, I really want, I love that idea that, you know, that there's so many things that you, that you can think about with growing pains. And there's, there's so much meaning to that, especially in a romance. Um, and then actually family ties ended up being the first, the first story, but yeah, it, it's fun. And I can, I want to come up with more now just so that I can, I haven't yet. These are so far, these are the only ones, but you know, I, I definitely think there's, there's hope for more if um, the readers want. <laughs> Very cool. So growing pains comes out in March. What, yes. What's coming for the, for the next Bartlett cousin there? This one, I'm actually, this is, um, I'm trying my hand at sort of, sort of a romantic suspense, <laughs> but it is in a way there's, there's a little like mystery involved, but it's poppy, it's poppy style mystery. So no, no worries. You know, um, that Kale is one of the younger cousins and he, um, he is a YouTube celebrity chef. I, 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 YouTube is my social media of choice. I know a lot of people spend a lot of time on Facebook and things. You will rarely find me on social media, but I love watching YouTube videos. I think, and I don't watch a lot of the things that are the the sort of like, oh, this guy's dressed up in it like a T Rex and is chasing people or what, like that that sort of stuff. But I like there's things like um um oh his name turtles all the way down John, John Green. Green. Um, he and his brother do some really amazing things on, on YouTube and it's all educational. Um, their vlog brothers channel is wonderful and I love it. And, and so I started watching, I I will watch anything. I mean, there's a channel called today I found out and it's just random facts and trivia, super fun. And like, you know, there's things like, Oh, you know, I can't even think of, of what they are. They're all just really weird and quirky and interesting things, you know? Um, so I watched stuff like that and then I started watching cooking videos and the, the folks who do this are so neat and they have the neatest personalities. Um, the one gal that I actually based kale on, um, she's just such a cute like lady and her, her, 
her personality is just like, I'm like, man, I want to be her friend, you know? So, um, she just got to deal with the food network. So like they just, yeah, she just put it out like a week ago and I was like, Oh, that's so exciting. Like, I'm like, I feel like I know her because I've been watching her videos, um, for so long. So Kayla's a YouTube chef and then he has a little bit of problem with an overzealous fan. And so his, he meets back up with an old high school nemesis who is now a cop. And so Sean and, and Kale sort of have a few little problems they have to iron out. So while they're figuring out the nemesis that is his YouTube fan. <laughs> so I have to ask, yeah. who is this YouTube chef that you found? Oh, her, it's um, uh, the channel that it is, uh, The Domestic Geek. That's a great okay. name. Yeah, it is. There's another great one um, called Food Wishes. Um, his chef, John, he's really, like, his, the most amazing things. Um, I watch uh, the, I'm probably going to say it wrong, Brothers Green Eats. It's a, a two brothers that they do uh, videos. And there's a, a really, like, a gal who does a lot of, like, um, really health conscious videos called Mind Over Munch. And she does like a lot of meal planning and really healthy. And then, um, and then there's a gal called Laura Vitale and she does Italian uh, recipes and just sort of like really family friendly things. And so I sort of like took a lot of all of those people cause I enjoy watching them and I love to cook. And so it was like, how can I co sort of capture that energy and enthusiasm that, that they were providing to me as a, a viewer into a character. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. That sounds a lot of fun. And you got new recipes out of it too, I assume, as well. I did. You should see the list of recipes. I actually am trying to figure out how I can do it. Um, I have a list of every recipe that I'm mentioning in the Bartlett series. Some of them are my family recipes. My dad makes this thing called an onion casserole. And everyone is always like, onion casserole? But it is, like, every time anybody eats it, they're like, dear God, what is this? I want more. It's just the craziest thing. And it's super bad for you. And so you only have it on Thanksgiving because you can, you know, everybody eats bad at Thanksgiving, right? Um, so things like that. Now, you mentioned briefly the Heart to Heart anthology that came out mm -hmm. uh, for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, completely adorable story with the wedding planner and the electrician. Uh, and it was so your style, too. I could just envision this southern set, kind of sassy wedding planner and this more blue-collar uh, electrician. What yeah. was it like to write inside this little world that got created for the anthology and also blend it with your world? It was it was easy on for the most part because we... Um, I don't know if you know, like... Um, they set it up as a Mad Lib. So readers actually submitted different pieces. They sent in characters' names, ages, occupations, and then um, three personality traits. I think there was three. It's been a minute since I wrote that. But I think there were three. So we actually had some things character-wise to work on. And then we had this sort of format for the story, which we knew they were going to be sort of opposites attract. So um, I was so deep into working on the Bartlett's at that time that um, when Leslie, the, she, Leslie's so wonderful that I, I can't praise her enough. Um, when she asked me if I would would help would you know participate, 
I was like, I would have to do it in the Bartlett world because I'm so deep into edits on the, these books and they're coming out back to back and there's four of them. And I thought, I don't want to pull myself out of the Bartlett world. So I asked her if it was okay if I created characters that would fit into that universe. And she was like, yes, please do. Because she actually had read Family Ties at that point. She had beta read it for me. So it was kind of fun. So it really blended really seamlessly. Um, and I had already had the idea to write. Um, I, I wanted to do something more with Danielle, who is the one of the bossier members of the and, and not not to give anything away but she also shares my birthday conveniently enough she's a tiny bit bossy and I, I just wanted to have fun exploring some of those characters that I knew wouldn't get a lot of page time in the series just based on how everything had gone as I was writing so Danielle was one of those that I loved enough to see her do more weddings which Spoiler alert, she, you, you'll see more of Danielle in the fall, but it, it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun then. Um, just just having those and, and seeing it all fit together. But yeah, yeah it, it was easy. And the, the, the books are all so good. Like everybody knocked it out of the park. There's not one of those stories that's not good. They're yeah, all it's, so good it's a great books. collection. Yeah. Did you see the paperback is up? I saw that when I was doing show notes for this current week's episode that the paperback's actually up, yes. It's like, it's so thick. It's like <laughs> two and a half inches thick. It's 150,000 words, I think they said. Wow. So, I mean, the print version is like, and then they set it at like the rock bottom price that they could. Like, you know, because this isn't for us to make money. You know, we weren't trying to. It was hysterical. So we were all like, wow, we really did something special there, you know, very excited about it. So very, um, it's very good to see something like that. And it did so well. I mean, it's still doing well, but we raised a lot of money already for, for our charities. And so I'm just, it was an honor to be part of it. That's really good to hear because we're only three weeks in, I guess, as we're recording this. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't watch the numbers that that's not it, but um, they did let us know a few weeks ago that it had done extremely well. And then, and of course still going. So now you've got yet another series coming online later this year with coconut Go cove. That was a little yes. harder to say with the alliteration than I anticipated. It is. It is. Um, now coconut cove is actually another series that was started at wild city. Um, but at that point, it just, it didn't seem to hit at a time when people were kind of interested. It was a really odd experience, but it's co-written with MJ O'Shea. So I write book one, MJ writes book two, and we loved the idea, but it was sort of like this weird thing where the readers didn't seem to find it. So when we got the rights back, we really thought, you know, should we just not do anything with this? And, um... I shared it with Elizabeth North at Dream Spinner, and I was like, you know, will you take a look at these and let me know, you know, if it's something, because it's six books and only one and two had been released. And she was like, give me these books, give them to me right now. Yes, please. And so it was really exciting. So it was something that it was a project that I had worked on. I think they came out. I don't remember when they came out. It's been years ago that they came out. So it was really fun to sort of revisit that world and, and where we were then and where we are now. It's because, you know, at that point, gay marriage, not a thing. 
and now it is. And so some of those things that we actually had to go back in and really tweak because of things that have changed just in this in the few short years since we wrote those books. And so fourth or excuse me, three, four, five, and six have never been read by readers. They're they're brand new. Um, and then one and two are re-releases. So very excited. Life's a Beach is the first one and it, it's mine and it will be out in April. April twentieth, I think. Nice. April twentieth. Uh, give us an idea what Coconut Cove is about. Yeah, Coconut Cove is actually a TV show, and it is set, um, it's it's one of the first all-gay cast um, TV shows, and it's set at a high school in Key West. So um, our my story starts with um, a character named Flynn, who is the actor who is pe- going to play the main character on Coconut Cove, and he arrives on set, and there's been a little bit of a scandal. The actor who was originally cast had a little bit of a problem and had to go to rehab. And so they brought Flynn in as a replacement. And so he shows up to this cast that's already, you know, working and they already know each other. And so he's sort of the new guy and he has to sort of see, find a way to fit in. And then he meets one of the local bartenders who, who's a a very nice looking fellow and and they get to know each other through the course of it. And so Seth that has absolutely no interest in fame or being famous. He lives in Key West. He runs this bar. He's perfectly happy. And yet he can't seem to stop thinking about this guy who's now going to be famous. And he's like, I don't want to do this, you know. So it's a it's a really interesting sort of dynamic of them trying to figure out if they can make this work. So that sounds kind of fun. I like it. <laughs> and so each of the stories is one of the actors. It's it's the the story of the actor who is playing the, the part on Coconut Cove. So, but they're all they're all set in Key West, and it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to write. No doubt, it sounds like it. Yeah, and MJ fans are going to be thrilled. I mean, we uh, MJ is so talented, and she's so fun to work with, and we are so different as writers and creators, but having that opportunity to brainstorm with someone who's really like we have a lot in common, but we write completely differently. I mean, I guess everybody does, but there's just something about our process, you know, but this was so fun to sort of figure out like how to make that work and things that are like she's known for and is really good at and things that I'm known for and I'm really good at and trying to make those meet in the middle. We had a lot of fun with it. I think the readers are really going to like it. I, I really do. I think that, um, and, and both of the first two books are just, they just, you hit the ground running right there with the cast. So it's a lot of fun. Was it fun kind of going back and forth between the books for you two as writers and, and co-writing in that way? So it's co-writing, I guess, in the universe, but not co-writing the book together? Right. Well, and what we had to do was I wrote my book first and then I had to send it off to her and wait for her to write hers. And then I got hers back and then I could write mine because they're set chronologically. So as the series, as the season of the show progresses, things are happening to the characters. So it's the first two seasons of Coconut Cove occur across six books. So we've got season finales to deal with. You know, what happens if a character on the show gets killed off? What happens to the actor? You know, and, and, and especially if the love of their life is in Key West, you know, so there's some fun things like that. 
it was a lot of fun. It was actually difficult waiting to see what MJ was going to come up with. Because we sort of brainstormed, you know, this will be the characters from book one, and this is sort of what's going to go on, and this is for, but, you know, so we sort of had that sort of general, but we made the decision to wait until, so she read my book and then picked up and wrote her. So it was almost like we were sending chapters back and forth, except it was the book. So they're novellas, so they're shorter, so... Um, it was it was fun, and then I never knew what what I was going to get back, because you know I mean you have the sort of general idea, but I didn't know what she was going to do and how she was going to set me up for the next book. So it was it was exciting, and she's so I mean come on MJ O'Shea she's ridiculously talented. So it, it it I really wasn't concerned about it, but it was a lot of fun just kind of seeing that and like getting that set up and sort of the, like the cliffhanger on the shows, but the, the, the romances aren't cliffhangers, but we have little segments of the TV show in each book. And so you're sort of like wondering what's going to happen to the, the these actors. So it's fun. It's fun. I'm glad those are going to see the light of day because those sound like a lot of fun too. Yeah. And Re, and um, Reese Sante did the cover. I'll have to send it to you guys so you can, you can see. Um, I already have the cover. It is so beautiful. Like she captured Flynn. I mean, she is so amazing. I just had to give her a shout out. Um, such a talented artist. And and she really, when I told her, it's really difficult to like, when you, you know, you're working with your cover artist and you're like, okay, here's the, the thing. He's playing in like a 16 year old on a TV show, but he's really in his twenties. Can you capture that on a stock photo? Like, you know, like it was. I had to be so oddly specific about you know, because you know, I mean, I'm gonna date myself, but you remember like on like nine hundred two one zero, right? And those actors were all like in their late twenties, and they were playing fifteen and sixteen year olds, you know. Um, and wasn't the one girl like thirties in her thirties or something? You you guys remember? Anyway, so I it always stuck in my head, and, and even as I watch shows now that have like teenage characters there none of them as actors are actually teenagers <laughs> so i thought i was like what must that be like as an actor to play someone but poor reese she did a great job i can't wait for you guys to see that cover um it's so good and then the second one in that book will be out in june so the second one or the will be the third one my second one oh yeah i'm already confused <laughs> mine is out in april mj's is out in may Book three will be out in June. So they'll be out every month for six months. Oh, fantastic. So, month after month. So, yeah. Have I confused everybody enough? Because I'm confused. I don't even know what I have coming out next. I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's a lot of books. <laughs> You've been busy. I have been busy. And it, it's amazing. And, and um, when you have all this stuff, I don't. it's like feast or famine sometimes when you're a writer. Like, you spend all this time developing projects and then all of a sudden everything seems to like get done at the same time. I mean, I had no idea that I, all of the Bartlett boy stuff would be coming out when we got everything ready for coconut Cove and to get all that re-edited and redone. And it sort of all hit at once. So it's, been, it's been sort of fun. I've been sort of going gray. Uh, this is not, this is not real. <laughs> this is all from a box. <laughs> But it's it's been a lot of fun, and I just can't wait for people to see what I've been up to because it's been so long since I've really had a book out. But I miss it, you know. I've missed having those reactions to fans and, and getting those messages that come in and say, when's the next book? And, oh, my gosh, I can't wait for 
whichever favorite character. Um, it, and so it was really funny. I've gotten a lot of messages on the Bartlett boys, people trying to guess, because I haven't said which cousins um, are going to get a book. And so everybody's trying to guess which cousins are, are next. And so it's been, it's been really fun, like just having that interaction again. That's very cool. And you're actually days away from as we're recording this, you're headed to Coastal Magic. So I you'll am, get to I'm get some in-person reactions. Yes. I, and the, I've actually got the first set of paperbacks. And so they just came in. And so I'm the only person who's seen the, what the paperback looks like for Family Ties. And so it's really fun. So the folks at Coastal Magic will have the first chance to sort of hold those in their hand and that's always a, a, that's always really special and I think I've never actually had a book where I was sort of there as the first readers got the book I, I don't know it seems weird but I'm really excited about that moment for some reason like getting able to put the book in some hands of readers who are going to be there and who have ordered copies from me and and so I'm just I'm super excited I'm super excited that's very cool and you're going to be doing a little corresponding for us at Coastal also I am. I can't wait. So or, well, last year, God, has it been? It's almost a year ago now. Wow. A, last March, I, when I was in Paris at the salon, I done, did some video for you guys, and and I guess your viewers seem to like it. So I'm going to try again for you and do some from Coastal Magic in Daytona Beach. It's one of my favorite events of the year, and um, I can't wait for you guys to be able to sort of experience it and. Maybe some readers will decide they're tired of the cold and want to come down to Florida, Daytona Beach in February. It's it will be it's going to be in the 80s, so it'll be you know. It's, it, don't know how we're going to manage. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Well, you've been working extra super hard. I definitely think you deserve some fun in the sun. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes, and and we always do have fun at these at at this event in particular. Like it's always that. You know, you get to go and just have a good time with readers, and there's so many people. That, you know, it's a small event, but there's just so many people that, that we've known and, and have gotten to see. So, yeah, it's going to be nice to have that few days. And I, I always get rejuvenated by being around readers and other authors. Like, you always come away, like, bubbling over with ideas. And so maybe I'll actually get my edits done. Um, so that, you know, that might be nice if I could finish the edits on Kale's book on growing pains so that I can actually, you know, my, yeah, my, my editor is going to kind of have words with me if I don't get the edits done soon, but you know, minor details, it's, it'll, it'll happen. <laughs> okay. Well, Poppy, thank you so much for stopping by and talking to us. Oh, you're you, welcome. You're it's been welcome. so great to hear about all these projects. Thanks. I, I'm, I'm really excited. Fantastic. We'll link up to all of your social and all the books in the show oh. notes. All right. Sounds good. Thank you once again to Poppy for dropping by the show and telling us about everything that she's got going on. Uh, look forward to everything that she's got coming up in 2018. Absolutely. It's going to be lots of stuff. I'm particularly interested in Coconut Grove. Yeah. That sounded a lot of fun. It reminded me there was some TV show on the CW back in the day that was about the shooting of that TV show. Can't remember the name of it anymore, but that's what it reminded me of. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Hopefully you do, too, because <laughs> since we're not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> Anywho, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. We hope you will join us uh, next week for episode 126. Poppy will hopefully stop by. She's currently, at this very, very moment, at 
the Coastal Magic Convention in Florida. Mm -hmm. She'll have a little behind-the-scenes looky-loo at what was going on down there uh, in the sunshine. Also next week, Brandilyn is going to be back, and she's got some really great book recommendations. Yeah, we're going to be talking all about Rick Reardon and the oh cool and the many LGBT characters that he has peppered throughout his young adult series. Cool, awesome, yeah. So, guys, remember: no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, guys, keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.